This is Tom Lee, Editor-in-Chief with NEJM Catalyst, and we're talking today with Jeff Gillian, who is the Chief Medical Officer for DaVita Kidney Care. We were in a small meeting recently when Jeff was commenting on the challenges of providing equitable care for patients with end-stage renal disease. And I came away with the realization that equity has to be something pursued at the front line to care and on a condition-specific basis. That's where the challenges exist and are understood and we hope can be addressed. Jeff was good enough to join us today to share some of his thoughts on all three of those issues, the nature of the challenges, why they exist, and what might work. Jeff, before we plunge into those three things, can you give our listeners some basic background so they can put your comments in context? Well, hello, Tom. It's great to be with you. It was nice seeing you recently. Uh, by way of background, I'm a nephrologist from Denver, and I practiced both general and transplant nephrology up until a few years ago when I transitioned from the bedside or chair side to focus more on population health management and holistic care for persons living with kidney disease. And, and I'll tell you, I never really set out to be a nephrologist. In fact, the, the truth is, and I don't, I don't tell many people of this, but uh, I didn't do so well in renal pathology as a medical student. I didn't really enjoy it. But then as, as things go, I had the opportunity to work with truly a spectacular nephrologist early in my internship, and I just fell in love with the specialty. And now as chief medical officer at DaVita, my focus is on patient safety, comprehensive care, equity, and patient experience. Well, we won't plunge into the anion gap today. Uh, instead, we're going to ask you to characterize the challenges of making care more equitable in the SRD. Well, I'm glad you're not quizzing me on anion gap, uh, but importantly, equitable care for persons with kidney failure is really more than just a nebulous goal. I, I think of it as a responsibility. Chronic kidney disease and end-stage kidney disease disproportionately affect persons of color, period. No question about that. And the statistics are, are really heart-wrenching when you jump into them. Three times more black persons develop kidney failure compared to white persons. Hispanics, they also have a higher rate uh, than their white counterparts. Uh, and that matters to me personally, as my wife and her family are Hispanic. And persons of color tend to have less access to care for chronic kidney disease. And so when they do get access, it, it tends to be later in the course of their illness. And they generally receive less education about kidney health. And sub subsequently, you know, we see that they end up having fewer choices in their treatment options. And then, of course, if they do unfortunately go on to develop full kidney failure, they're 40%, 30 to 40% less likely to have the opportunity to dialyze at home. And they're significantly less likely to get a kidney transplant. Again, something that is near and dear to my heart. And, and especially to get a living donor kidney transplant, which we know is really the best possible treatment, uh, treatment options for someone living with kidney disease. Well, I know these issues are really complicated, but what are some of the major root causes of the forms of inequity that you just described? The root causes of inequity are, are truly varied. Some are obviously more controllable than others. Um, but when we think about the controllable factors and when we think about their solutions, I, I sort of categorize them into falling into three buckets. So the first really big bucket is socioeconomic factors and social determinants of health, things like access to the right nutrition and transportation and health literacy. 
So our dietitians, our social work team, and our adult education experts, they work every single day to address some of those factors, including providing tactical education about kidney health and comorbidities associated with kidney disease. And, and this really you know, includes education that's not just geared to patients, but importantly, it's, it's geared to their loved ones and caretakers as well. So that's the first big bucket. The second big bucket is access to care, especially in chronic kidney disease. And we are pretty fortunate in this country that access to care in end-stage kidney disease is not limited, given there's universal insurance coverage through the government for persons on dialysis. But you know, that's not necessarily true upstream when, as physicians, we're probably a little bit more likely and, and able to intervene and slow progression. And so in this second big bucket, it includes diagnostic testing, things like creatinine and estimated GFR that with you know, some of the algorithms that are out there may overestimate true kidney function in some African-American patients. So this can lead to delayed diagnosis. It can lead to limited access to preemptive kidney transplants. And so I think we're fortunate right now, we're living in a time when the kidney community, which has been really led by uh, the National Kidney Foundation and the American Society of Nephrology have launched task forces that now address these specific issues and EGFR calculation is changing. So access to care, that's the second bucket. And then the third big bucket is trust in the healthcare system. And I think this is both systemic and structural. And as you're aware, Tom, you know, this big bucket is, is, is deeply rooted but it doesn't mean that we as physicians and as healthcare leaders shouldn't address it. I, I think now is the time and it's a call to action for every single one of us to take responsibility. Well, that call to action is compelling, but it's overwhelming too. So what do we do or, or more accurately, what are you doing? Well, we and, and a lot of us in the kidney community are addressing health equity head on. And in many ways, there are some positive stories out there where our community has achieved greater equity, including in the Medicare quality rating system, which some of us uh, refer to as the dialysis five-star program. And current data demonstrates trends of greater equity among dialysis facilities across the zip codes of varying demographics. And so that's a great start, but of course, we wouldn't say that that's enough. It, it is, though, it's the foundation, and it provides the momentum to continue our efforts, and it's given me some confidence that we're pointed in the right direction. And so right now, we are focusing on inequity in really four domains of kidney care, chronic kidney disease, so early and moderate kidney disease, access to kidney transplants, access to home dialysis options, and then importantly, quality of life as well. And in, in each of these domains, we're working to uncover and understand specific root causes of inequity, and we're identifying potential biases, which might be clinical or, or otherwise, and we're trying to create awareness of health equity across our entire organization. And so we're addressing these head on, and we know that to do this, we have to earn the trust of our patients and earn the trust of their loved, one, loved ones, you know, really regardless of their background because we've got to empower them to take some control of their disease rather than letting kidney disease control them and letting diabetes and hypertension and all of the underlying factors control them. And so what we've been doing is we've been expanding our culturally sensitive patient education platforms. We've been providing cultural humility and unconscious bias training to help our care teams so that they can deliver personalized care. And then 
to the extent that we can, we are working to address social determinants of health directly in our clinics and also through political advocacy and community partnerships. And, you know, I, I know for sure that we are not going to be successful alone. If we're going to move the needle on this, um, and we've got to really broaden our impact. And we have a term for that around here. We call that spreading ripples. And what it means is that we're committed to sharing our progress. We're committed to sharing our learnings and even our failures with others in the community so that we can join forces on health equity. Well, this is why I was so interested when you made your remarks at the meeting we both attended. You both spoke about very broad, soft issues uh, like building trust, but with some very specific focuses like increasing rates of transplantation, increasing rates of home dialysis. I know it's early. It's early for all of us. We're all learning, but how's it going so far? Well, I would say you're exactly right. I'm learning every single day, uh, but I will share just a little bit of inspirational data. In the early months of last year, of 2021, when COVID-19 vaccines first became available, we began to notice some worrisome trends of inequity among our Black and Hispanic patients. And they were initially about, I think, around 40% less likely to receive the COVID vaccine. And at that time, you know, access to the vaccine was limited. It was truly a scarce resource. Um, and you couple that with the political climate of the time. There were trust issues because it was a relatively new vaccine technology. And quite frankly, you know, there were side effects and, and, um, and that was getting really blown up in the press. And what we were seeing was uh, we were seeing inequality develop in real time right in front of our eyes. And you know, here were some communities that were just devastated by the COVID-19 virus, and these people weren't getting vaccinated at the same rate um, as, as white people and Asian people. And so through grassroots efforts and by tweaking our educational efforts and by really calling out those differences and putting a name to it, we were able to engage our frontline caregivers. We were able to engage patients. We were able to engage different communities, and we were able to shrink and then actually nearly close that vaccine gap entirely. And so that's a success that we're now using to snowball our efforts. And we've partnered with a startup company by the name of Same Sky Health, and they're a leader in addressing health equity to help us meet the needs of our patients. And we've gone back and we've redoubled our efforts to, to make sure that what we're doing is culturally sensitive, it's relevant when we educate. Um, and again, not just educating our patients, but trying to educate anyone in the community experiencing kidney disease, their family members experiencing kidney disease. So this is education on things like diet and blood pressure control and managing diabetes and, and the items that we know disproportionately affect people, uh, especially people of color who are experiencing chronic kidney disease and unfortunately moving towards end-stage renal failure or end-stage kidney disease. And you know we've got a saying around here that we are far from perfect, but we are far from done. And I think that sentiment fully encapsulates our work on health equity. It encapsulates the work we did on vaccine equity. And we, we have found some success in these areas and we celebrate those successes, but we've also, opportunity, uh, we've also I think, identified a number more opportunities in these areas and we're gonna continue driving relentlessly to close those gaps. Well, one of the sayings that we have around NEJAM Catalyst comes from uh, my co-author and the co-chair of our editorial board, Michael Porter, uh, who always says 
we should be asking, what's the unit of analysis at which value gets created? And his point is that when you're dealing with heterogeneous populations, you can only do so much uh, to move the needle. Uh, but when you get down to focused populations with shared needs uh, defined by conditions like end-stage renal disease, that's when you can put together actions that really move the needle uh, on value and equity and other things that you want to improve. Uh, so your very focused efforts on your population are really, I think, very important uh, and of, of great interest. And my hope is that uh, what you find can help move the needle uh, in your population will help us, you know, with other conditions as well, we'll be adapting the insights that you create. So thanks for your time, Jeff, and uh, your insights and your openness about where we are with this work today. Uh, we'll be following along very carefully and hope that you'll keep us updated. Thanks so much, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity.